HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Ithaca, New York boasts an authentic craft beverage experience, tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation among 150 waterfalls. Plan your trip today with help from visitithaca.com. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. It's HRN's 10th anniversary and now our summer fun drive. So show your support for independent, revolutionary, entertaining food radio by becoming a monthly recurring donor. HRN is powered by a passionate community of thoughtful eaters, and we need each and every one of you to show your support so that we can keep bringing you your favorite food podcasts. It takes a village, and every dollar donated, every listener tuning in is essential to our continued success. So set up a donation for every month. You'll show us that you want to be a part of a bright future for HRN. And you'll get one of our brand new limited edition pizza pocket t-shirts. So snag your new favorite tea and show us some love, all for the price of about two fancy lattes each month. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate today. And thank you. Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. On today's episode, we have Pinknick the co-founders of the All Day Rosé and Rosé Movement Festival that features amazing music and rosé that will be happening on Randall's Island in July. And from our archive, we have a special performance by the Spinto Band. So sit back, relax, and here's another episode of Snacky Tunes. We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, Snacky Tunes.
Welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. That was just the Spinto Band, who will be playing from our archives later in the show. But sitting across from me on what is, I think, the first non-rainy day in what seems like forever, <laughs> Finally, yeah. uh, Derek Van Bakerjen, yep. the co-founder of Pinknick. Welcome. Thank you. How are you? Um, I'm great. How are you doing? Good. As you said, first, uh, finally, good weekend out there. <laughs> You got your start in hospitality, and you came to New York in 2005. What were some of the restaurants that you were working in? Yeah, that's right. came in 2005 from Europe, uh, studied hospitality management in the Netherlands, and started at the Intercontinental in Midtown New York, and then moved my way downtown to the Soho Grand and Tribeca Grand Hotel, and then came back up and worked for John George, actually, which was my last post in uh, hospitality before you know starting the entrepreneur route. There's always that debate about going to hospitality school, culinary school versus just real world experience. What did you take from studying school that you brought or that gave you felt maybe an advantage when you came here in 2005? No, that's actually a great question. Uh, for me personally, like the, the studies were great, um, but you learn everything on site. You know, it's all about the experiences you make that really defines what this industry is all about. You know, the, the studies are great. It basically tells you, you know, the main guidelines of what to expect once you get into the, you know, into the industry. But once you get on site, you really get to see like how things work. And then the studies don't, don't mean a lot actually until, uh, you know, you experience it, so. 
you know, like this is how you deal with an irate guest versus someone screaming in your face. It's probably different yeah. <laughs> red than in, in the actuality. Exactly. Uh, what did you take from the, those years that kind of began? Because eventually you moved into music and managing and, and DJing. So yeah. what did you take from your hospitality years that you felt set you up for your music path? I just met a lot of people. You know, I think the, the great thing in New York is that you meet, you know, so many different uh, kind of personalities. And that kind of like, you know, set me on, on my own path. You know, once you got to meet people in such different industries and, and all of that, then uh, eventually, yeah, you know, I, I decided to, to move out of the hospitality sector and, and get into the music business, which was, you know, something completely different than what I had studied for and, and what I had done. So uh, it was kind of, you know, uh, a good balance to, to have it all there, you know, so... How did you find your path in music, uh, the music that you fell into, and, and the place? And you also managed, and you DJ as well. So what was the... N- not me personally. Oh, you didn't? DJ. Oh, you just no, managed? No, no, just, just managing. So how, <laughs> that is hospitality. I would say that you probably, you just, it's a very small clientele, exactly. as opposed to a faceless name. Um, where did you, who did you work with, and who did you start managing? It was pure passion. I always loved, uh, you know, everything about the music business. And I had a cousin who uh, is also from the Netherlands, um, who was into DJing at a very young age. And so he came to visit me here in New York um, for a vacation. And basically we got him his first gig back then when Pasha was still, you know, the happening. And, and so he had an opportunity to, to close out for uh, a big name DJ. And so from there on, I was like, wow, you know, this is kind of uh, cool. And so uh, him and I just started to brainstorm together and the next thing you know is we got him to market we got him signed to a really big label here in new york and uh you know we we, we toured the whole world basically so yeah it was a lot of fun how are the green rooms oh it was good <laughs> <laughs> any special requests uh i've seen it all okay uh, yeah uh, but you never lost your love for hospitality and F&B because no. you stayed yeah. in the wine sector as well. We did. And actually, my partner and I, we started a rosé brand called Rosé S'il vous plaît. And so uh, we did a little bit of a disruptive approach to the rosé business. So we came up with a rosé cocktail. And so uh, the first uh, flavor we launched, it's a rosé mimosa. And uh, we came to market in 2017. And uh, yeah, so far it's been great. We got picked up by one of the largest distributors here in New York, Southern Wine and Spirits. And, uh, you know, we're mapping out uh, in the next two or three years and, and see how that will go. So. And your partner is not here, Pierrick? Pierrick, yeah. Uh, is not here, but he is at the forefront of the overtaking infestation, the overrunning of rosé yeah. in, in the States and, and in New York. Uh, where did he innovate and, and what did he see back in 2014 when he started to really kind of map out the the plan for Rosé? Yeah, so basically Pierrick had a wine marketing agency and so um, he actually was the the piece of promoting the French wines to the US markets and back then of course in 2014 when the whole Rosé movement started, um, Pierrick had the eye for it and basically created the first festival that uh, that uh, was La Nuit en Rosé and so uh, over 100 different Rosé wines uh, all positioned on a beautiful setting on a large scale boat and we cruise around the Statue of Liberty and people really have a, uh, a chance to experience you know Rosés from France to Spain even Turkish Rosés I mean it's, it's all there and so uh, there's a lifestyle component to it as well and uh, great entertainment and uh, and food, so people really enjoy it. It's a, it's a one ticket, and you get to to have the 360 experience. So, what is the lifestyle component that is associated with the rosé drinker? 
That's a good question. Uh, I would say, you know, of course, for us, uh, being from France and from Europe, it all started in the south of France. So when you say lifestyle, it's you know definitely at the beach, uh, beautiful setting, you know, great food, great company with your friends, and uh, you know, rosé come kind of like in hand with this, and that's how the whole movement started with the rosé all day, I guess. You know, <laughs> what makes for a good rosé? I mean, it depends. Everybody has. A different type uh, of palate, but I think rosé in general is just a very approachable wine. It's not too complicated. Um, there's really not a lot of thought that goes into it when you drink it, and that's why I think it's become so popular because a lot of people get nervous when they go into wine stores and they don't know what to choose from. You know, they see all these like bottles everywhere and they they get like a little uncomfortable and. I think with rosé, it's just you know such a positive uh, energy uh, all around it that people really you know like to to drink it uh, during the day with their friends on a nice setting and uh, and yeah. Why is it so Instagrammable? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, it took off, you know. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's a it's a hard thing to explain, but I think you know it's 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 what you just said about the whole lifestyle component. And people usually, you know, uh, drink it with friends, and then of course it gets automatically shared on the social media platforms, and um, and yeah. So, is there a fear of a rosé shortage this summer? I know that was like no. a fake headline. Yeah. That was like, two years ago. They're like rosé. Yeah, shortage. I think it was like the New York Post picked up on it, and uh, you know, it was more of a PR stunt, I think. But there's definitely no shortage of rosé, and it's actually too much rosé out there. And you see a lot of, of brands that are going to disappear as well because the competition is fierce. And so there used to be, you know, like one or two big drivers in this business. And now there's, you know, over a hundred of brands in each store you go to. So, you know, only the big ones really survive. And, and for the small brands like us, it's, it's tough because, you know, you need a lot of capital to, to compete against uh, the giants. And uh, yeah. So yeah, for La Nuit and Rosé and Rose was the first one. Yeah. Where did P Pinknick come from? So that was basically after uh, we had done Lanuino Rosé for three years, we realized that you know there was so much more to do than uh, just Lanuino Rosé, and so we wanted to like get away a bit from the whole like you know tasting environment, and so Picnic was really created for the occasion of drinking rosé and adding more to it than just you know food and wine, and so the whole music element came to play where we created you know a nice little lineup. And uh, you know some cool artists from uh, all over the place came, and so we were able to gather 6,000 people on our first picnic, you know, uh, three years ago, which was like really impressive for us as well. And from there on, you know, the the whole uh, festival just kept growing, and so it's been three years now, going into our fourth year, and we're super excited. So, who was on the first lineup? Oh, there was uh, local uh, local bands and uh, local DJs. We had a, a band from Australia, Miami Horror was there. We had a, a DJ from Germany, Clapton, which back then you know he was still like not really known, and now of course he blew up, and it's one of the you know top guys out there. And a lot of local artists, um, guys from Holland and Germany that you know uh, DJ at all our festivals. So um, yeah, it was it was a good solid little uh, little lineup we put together. I know that you sit on the music programming side of it. What yeah. what music pairs well with an all-day rosé festival? I think uh, diversifying it. You know, you, we are trying not to go for just one theme of music. You know, we're trying to really come up with a nice, you know, programming from, 
you know, like uh, slow tunes to a bit more, you know, uh, elevated, you know, towards uh, the end of the day as, uh, you know, people are, <laughs> are definitely, uh, you know, getting into the party vibes. But uh, yeah, we, we really try to come up with a mixture of things and not just, you know, go for one type of, uh, of music. So, you know, this year we're actually introducing two stages for the first time. And so main stage will really focus about, you know, bands and then the side stage will really focus about DJs and try to create an experience there. So as you've grown along this time, it's obviously riding the Rosé wave. Yeah. Um, as you've grown, so is the Rosé movement. Where, where do you think that it comes to a point where it, it's really amazing and like what type of people are, are attracted to it and what type of audience comes to Picnic? that also aligns with the rosé movement. Yeah, and the, definitely females. Uh, you know, we have about like 80 plus percent of our ticket buyers are women. It's insane. And I'm actually quite in shock. 80%? 80%. I just want to make sure I heard that right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm actually surprised that uh, the guys have not picked up on it yet. You know, it's just... Or other women. Or other women, yeah. It is Pride Month. <laughs> and so uh, to come back to your question, I think um, with the whole rosé movement, of course, it's going to reach its peak. And so what we are doing right now, actually, is we are putting a lot of focus also on the spirits and so you'll see like major companies out there they're already getting into the whole flavored vodkas and it's all rosé flavored rosé flavored gins and tequilas and so you know we're introducing some cool brands this year that um, are definitely riding that pink movement and so we created you know uh, a bunch of cocktails with them that we're really excited to showcase this year we're going to take a quick musical break yep. play a song from our archives and we'll be back here on Heritage Radio Network
So you mentioned that you are introducing additional spirits, additional cocktails, but you're also your food offering is expanding as well. Yeah. The first one was actually a picnic where people brought their own food. How did that work and, and where was the evolution to, to do a more expanded food offering? Yeah, so people had the option to bring either their food <clears throat> or we also had a, a partnership with Chef Chris Santos from Vandal and Stand Social who had his three restaurants positioned on site. And he also curated picnic baskets that people could pre-order from. So we wanted to make it easy for people. And as we were marketing the brands, you know, we didn't want to come up really with you know, just one option out there. So people really did enjoy that they could bring their own you know, offerings from home. And as the program started to become bigger and bigger, we started getting more interest from restaurants. And that's when we decided to make the move to really create something big. And so this year we teamed up with Thrillist, which is our media partner on the, on the food garden front. And so we have 24 restaurants on site this year that will be uh, showcasing you know, three, four of their main dishes they are known from. So there will be a lot to, uh, to choose from. I mean, Roberta's is one of them. Roberta's is one of them. Very excited to have them, yeah. Uh, What makes for, what type of food needs to pair well with rosé? It's it's really like a personal thing, I think. Uh, You know, we try to diversify there as well, so there's offerings for everyone. But I think, you know, uh, light food definitely works well on a hot summer day. So, you know, we have, uh, you know, salads to like grilled foods, you know, everything like in a picnic setting works really well, you know, with rosé, so... Let's talk music. Yeah. Mark Ronson, Chromeo, two of our favorites. Yeah. I think I've seen Chromeo about a million times. Mark <laughs> Ronson, new, new record. How do they play into the overall setting? And how are you able to land on those two as your headlining artists? Yeah, so I think uh, you know, both, both guys um, speak really well to our demographics. Obviously, Chromeo being New Yorkers, you know, they are very much respected uh, over the years for all the great shows they have done so we're very excited to have them for the first time at at the festival and um, yeah mark ronson there's uh, obviously uh, so much to to say about all his achievements uh, in the music business and so same thing there you know we're very excited to host him for the first time <clears throat> and uh, yeah his album just came out uh, late night feelings which i don't know if you have had a chance to we have yeah so that was really fantastic and so he will be bringing you know two or three live uh, guests with him uh, during the show that will be revealed very soon so uh, we couldn't be more excited about it that's incredible yeah yeah and then to round out the music you have the frenchies uh, and a number of other people in there. Talk about the rest of the lineup. Yeah, so we actually have like a couple of local guys, like I said before, uh, Germans and Dutch, that created this nice little concept called Kinder Circus. So they'll be, you know, uh, headlining the B stage on Friday. And so it's more of an underground vibe, uh, you know, with some disco and some funk to it. And then on Saturday, we have a bunch of uh, French guys that uh, are residents in, in Vegas and in, in Paris that will be more going for an open format approach. And so, uh, yeah, they put a nice little you know, team together. So we'll be able to you know, showcase different styles of music so people really have a chance to experience uh, you know, different styles. So. Style is another element of this, and everyone is, uh, is it required or encouraged to wear all pink or all white? Well, it started with the whole you know, pink and white movement, and so people now get creative. You know, we, we definitely uh, don't make it mandatory, but it is highly recommended because it's kind of cool when you have 10,000 people you know, on the field and everybody is following the dress code. It's kind of what makes the vibes of the festival so special because everybody is respecting you know, the 
the the colors that we try to put forward at the festival so once you see a gigantic sea of pink and white it's it's quite special especially from an aerial standpoint so do you have your outfit yet uh not yet no <laughs> we'll see are you nervous about it no no not at all comes not together all. yeah yeah uh, and you also moved the festival this year. It started Governor's Island, and now you moved to yeah. uh, to Randall's. What was the decision, and, and how will it change the dynamic? Uh, yeah, so we were three years on Governor's Island, had a fantastic experience there, and as the festival, you know, got bigger and bigger. Of course, we were limited as far as what we could do on on Governor's Island, and not having access with uh, bridge and and roads can make it really tough from a logistical standpoint and so an opportunity came at Reynolds Island that you know big festival panorama didn't come back uh, to our big surprise this year so of course we jumped on the opportunity and as we're you know trying to grow this thing you know Reynolds Island came of uh, natural uh, first choice because it's really the only place in New York that will allow you to have you know uh, a large large crowd so you know we're there to stay and uh, we're very excited about uh, the first year there let's talk about the rosé <laughs> what are you serving how do you make the selection because for your earlier you had a hundred tasting it's, it's a much more narrow approach to it Correct. how do you select this who gets to serve? What are you going for? How are you presenting options? What's the thoughts? Yeah, so we are um, serving Chateau des Clans again this year, which is like our number one sponsor since the very first day we started La Nuit Rosé. And so uh, they have a really nice portfolio. So of course, Whispering Angel, that's everybody knows. And uh, they have also Les Clans. They started a new brand called The Palm, which will be our Frosé. Uh, that will be the brand that we will use to do that. And so they take the exclusivity on the category. As you said, Picnic, it's a very different setting than La Nuit en Rosé, where we are not trying to showcase too many different brands. It's really about the occasion. And so, uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to team up again with them and, and have them on site again. Uh, so that's on the, on the Rosé. And then, of course, Spirits. Uh, you know, we'll be serving tequila, vodka, and gin this year. And we came up with some really creative cocktails there. So. I'm uh, very excited to have that as a new perk uh, this year. When you're creating cocktails that have rosé as a main ingredient, how do you strike that balance? So actually, rosé is not the main ingredient of those cocktails, but it's you know in the rosé movement. So expect pink cocktails. So anything from spritz to you know any other cool uh, summer summer cocktails that will you know be a good fit. Amazing. Well, Derek, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, where can people get tickets? Where can they uh, get VIP passes, pool experience, etc.? Where can they go? All through our site, picnic.com. So it's all listed there. And for those who know, it's P-I-N-K. Correct. Just so you can hear it. Uh, well, thank you for coming on. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We have a song from our archives, and we'll be here back in studio with this Pinto band from an earlier Snacky Tunes episode here on Heritage Radio Network. Thank you. 
episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Located in New York's Finger Lakes region, Ithaca boasts an authentic craft beverage experience, tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation. As the saying goes, Ithaca is gorgeous. The city is home to 150 waterfalls and gorges sprinkled through its downtown and sloping hillsides. State parks and acres of natural lands offer outdoor recreation for every level of enthusiast. Come stroll among the cool ravines, scenic hiking trails, and natural vistas. Ithaca is home to Ivy League Cornell University and Ithaca College, resulting in an influx of new cultures, new tastes, and new energy every year. There's so much to explore, from art galleries and museums to unique attractions like the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Ithaca sits at the heart of a blossoming heritage and craft cider industry. Some of these delicious ciders can be bought in market, but many of the most unique varieties can only be experienced with a visit to Ithaca and this great cider region. Go to visitithaca.com to get inspired and plan your trip today. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. Hi, my name is Sam Ben Ruby, and I'm the host of The Grape Nation on Heritage Radio Network. With this show, we bring wine to the people. Each week, we bring the best guests in wine on, taste different wines on air, and invite our listeners to taste with us. You'll find our approach to wine decidedly unsnobby. You can find The Grape Nation wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. We are live in studio at Spento Band. Welcome, boys, to Snacky Tunes. Hello, hello. How is the pizza? How is the beer? Uh, beautiful on all accounts. Yes. Uh, we're just playing a little game of music. Literally musical chairs. We're moving around. Uh, all right? All right. No? <laughs> Boo. No. Uh, so why don't we uh, go around the room, introduce yourself, say who you are, what you play, et cetera, et cetera. Right. My name is Nick, and I play guitar, and I sing words. You don't have to raise your hand. No, no one can see us. <laughs> oh, they can't look out this uh, window, dude. It, it's almost, it's kind of like half... Um, like one way, like you can't really see in, but we can see out. But that's. I mean, you raise your hand, I'll do a dance, do a wave. Yeah. That's the way I like it. Yeah. yeah, I wish. Can you come into Roberta's and order this seat? And like, I like, I want to sit in the seat where I can just I mean, stare at it's, everyone. We're the only. We're the only music show. Really, there's one other music show. Um, most of it's like talk radio. So I don't know how engaging it would be. Um, I mean, unless you like <laughs> like stalked a guest or a host and you like mm. want like lock eyes with them and be yeah. like get me I want to be on your show, <laughs> but um, generally I feel like people are more surprised and like slightly um, like per- perturbed or questioning why they're having a bunch of people stare at them while they eat at that one particular table. Um, oh, and this is uh, Thomas, and I'm, I sing and I'm playing ukulele right now. Uh, this is Joe. I play some guitar and sing a bit. And Sam and I'm playing some keyboards. Nice. So uh, you, you guys have been around for a while. So why don't you give the uh, some people background on where you're from and what you've been up to the last few years? Oh wow. Well, um, we are. We from... do broad questions here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're total broad. <laughs> well, we're from the Wilmington, Delaware area, um, and we've spent the last couple of years holed up in a recording studio that we built um, maybe about about three years ago and we've been recording uh, we recorded a record there we did a documentary film soundtrack and we've just been working out of there for the last three years or so what was the uh, documentary? <laughs> it was a documentary uh, called uh, Biba which is about um, the demo- democracy Pro- pro- wait. <laughs> uh, it's an, we've been feeding them beer and pizza, so <laughs> it's a documentary called Biba about um, democracy in a little island in the Pacific Ocean called Tinian. 
So this this island is uh, was kind of af- post World War Two, kind of the U.S. has been kind of uh, up in its grill and sort of you know coaching <laughs> it along and telling her about democracy and how cool it is. And so then this this film kind of uh, documents uh, an election in this uh, island mm-hmm. a couple years back. And and what is the process um, of writing music for a documentary? Like how does that how does that work versus you know the process of you know collaborative writing a record? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, this one, this was actually our first time ever doing a documentary specifically. And and this, when when the director approached us, he had uh, he had some sort of ideas about the kind of music he wanted. For example, like the the uh, the island itself is like the government is sort of a mix of this democracy that we're trying to teach them about and then they're just normal clan kind of like way of governing so it's this weird kind of mixture of the two and the one thing that he noticed is was it was really kind of like had a vibe of the wild west i don't know if that's (laughs) appropriate or what but that's what he the way he felt and so he wanted kind of like a spaghetti western soundtrack mixed with some island music and stuff like that. Can you give us like 20 seconds of like uh, what that sounds like? <laughs> oh man, let's see. Right, okay. A little bit like that. I like that. And then the album, new album that you guys put out yourself, yeah. right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's correct. Well, um, before, before we get mm-hmm. to that, because I feel like it's a good chunk. Um, let's talk about the studio that you built, which I feel, oh. well, that that had to come before the album, right? We just we yeah. we keep things chronological that's, here. We, yeah. we get really confused. So that's the egg to um, our chicken. I mean, when I moved here, to New York, two thousand five, two thousand six, you guys were around. Um, we played uh, what was that Rothko's? Do you remember? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. yeah. I saw you guys play there. Yes, yes. yeah. Wow, yeah. wow, that's a yeah. bring it, bringing it back. Yeah, right so there. I saw you guys play there. Um, wow, we wow, yeah. Fred, we just, Fred Armisen introduced us at that wow, show, really? I believe. He just uh, opened up for That Dog, who I saw this week. What do you oh, mean he wow. opened up? Like He did 20 minutes. Oh, wow. oh, it, was, it, was oh, sort of, wow. it was sort of funny. You know. That's, that's, um, that's his style. Yeah. Sort of. But so, you guys, so what made you decide to you know, build a recording studio and, and go that route? Or how did that come about? Well, we were um, just seeking a location um, that we could all... It was. It had been a dream of ours from lo- very long ago when we were little little kids, and for whatever reason, we just ended up recording the the previous two records in recording studios. You know, booking time. Like, okay, here we have a month to do this. Blah blah blah. Get out the songs, and we just wanted to approach the record uh, with a more uh, relaxed time frame. Uh, and we we found this amazing space that used to be a garden center greenhouse, oh, chicken man. Oh. coop, nice in the in a very pastoral section of Delaware. Sound, any soundproofing issues? Only thing, there was this pizza place attached to it <laughs> that was really noisy. <laughs> no, uh, Alright, let's get a song. <laughs> uh, wait, who's singing so you can get the mics? Uh, this, is, this will be Nick singing on this number here. Uh, Spinto Band live on Snack Tunes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Snacking it up. <laughs> One, two, three, two, three, three. Take me by the hand 
That is awesome. Yeah. What is that song called? The Living Things. Uh, I feel like there should have been like French horns in that song. <laughs> That's what it sounded like, though. A little bit on the synthesizer, yeah. right? Little horns. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, is that is that the French horn sound? French or? Horn? <laughs> I mean, it's the, pr- the frog sound yeah, too, yeah. which what, what, they sound remarkably those, alike. And the salsa just pre-programmed beat. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a funny sound. That's a funny, uh, funny sound. So you built the the greenhouse. The greenhouse. What's the name of the greenhouse recording studio? The Garden Center. Interesting. So that you got you guys like what two seconds, three seconds, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then. Um, and then, so did the documentary come? Or did you start working on the record, or was it kind of intertwined, or, or well, what was started, the process? Yeah, we started on the record first, and actually had just finished the album when that whole documentary thing came in, and so it was kind of, sort of a relief because we kind of were fed up with recording <laughs> after like spending so much time on an album, and then the documentary was a really good excuse to do more recording, but not ha- be in a fresher mental space. Mm-hmm. You know? Did you? So, I mean, obviously the record is yours, but when you did a documentary, like, did you feel less ownership or less precious? Or what was like the mentality about the songs that you, or the music you made for that? It was nice because there was already um, a theme and set in place. And we were mm-hmm. also, the f- film was already uh, made and edited. And so we just had to provide music to fit the images. And there was already an end product that was there that we just had to ac- make an accompaniment for, as opposed to writing for ourselves, which is... You never know. It's a big question mark whenever you're writing or recording a song. So, like, when the director would come up, be like, oh, "I don't like this." Were you? Did you argue? Were you like, "All right, we'll just try something else"? <laughs> uh, no, no. I mean, like, I, yeah. He luckily he liked a lot of what we did, but uh, but I mean, it's sort of his his project at the end of the day, right. you know. So, and that was sort of one of the fun parts for me, at least, was just being in a situation where I was like taking more direction rather than it was just like oh we're gonna make our own thing it was like oh like it's fun to collaborate with somebody and work with someone who is not only in a different field but we don't even know as well as we know you know each other and stuff yeah. like that how okay. do you guys know each other? oh we're brothers two yeah yeah and my brother is also in the band yeah we're just childhood friends our parents were friends with each other and yeah. we met Nick in us lower school in mm-hmm. wow. Wilmington, Delaware and you're all still friends yeah um, apparently <laughs> yeah. well four of you have to be because you're brothers yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, and uh, so the new record um, is out on your own label that's uh, what's the name of the label? Spintonic Recordings uh, so a uh, one second <laughs> <laughs> this time <laughs> yeah you got to yeah. just get really yeah, yeah, really yeah. <laughs> No need to reinvent the wheel. Um, so what was the decision um, you know, to lead you to make your own record, and you know, what tools are you using to get the record out there? Um, CD manufacturing. Uh, we have uh, yeah. uh, animated GIFs are a big part of it. Um, well, we just... Uh, I don't know. It just felt like a natural uh, thing to do after the point we had... We were just seeing what record labels were actually doing, and it seemed, I guess we were kind of ambitious and thought, oh, we could probably just do that ourselves. We don't need anyone to help us out with that. And so we decided to do it. <laughs> and we're still a little unsure about how it's working out. It's only, it's, the record's only been out for a month, so I think it's, it's out in stores. People yeah. can hear it. I think it's out there. <laughs> yeah, it's out there. We've been lucky to have distribution through Red Eye. Which oh, has been they're amazing. Yeah. 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 
So it's not all just the back of the station wagon or anything. <laughs> like no, that. I mean, but it's those in modern day, like those are not secrets anymore. Like you can mm-hmm. find, like you could hire a PR person, a PR team mm-hmm. who your label would probably hire. You mm-hmm. can get yeah. your own distribution. It's just, yeah. it's more work and you know, the potential that like the label also has its own following, but it really is kind of comes down That's to, true. it kind of comes down to marketing and distribution. Mm-hmm. So it's like, who do you add to your team? So yeah. do you have, are you doing PR yourselves or do you hire? No. Yeah, we hired PR. Yeah. Do you want to shout them out? Yeah, oh, yeah. We got, we got Riot Act Media out of Portland, Oregon. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I always feel that PR people are like the most unsung heroes. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, and they really, uh, we are we are doing a project. We hired PR people. And I was like, oh, I wonder yeah. what it'd be like hiring a PR team this time. And it's yeah. like, like, you can set it up and they will knock it out. Like, they will yep. take it down. Yeah. You know, yeah. However that goes. Uh, I don't think, yeah, it's heard another song. <laughs> Who's singing this time? Uh, I am okay. singing this one. So, so. Um, this is, yeah. yeah let's. Oh, should we do that? Okay. And then. Or should I just... Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, and this... Yeah, what, what drum beat you got there, Sam? That's, that's pretty fast. Yeah, this is... Our drummer, yeah, our drummer, our drummer took the, the day off for Memorial Day. <laughs> Maybe a little, a tiny bit slower. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> One... Two. Oh, one, two, three, four. Knock on a door, call out a name, fold in your arms together. Remember the more stops that you make, the more you get paid. Watching the birds, counting the wings, without adding up the Right. 
When I try, then I try, and you know if you know when I ask me to leave, keep my voice down as if my muscles are relaxed. I believe that the choice I've been given is given in fact known first. You'd be worse. Well. <laughs> uh, I was gonna ask, what are you guys smiling about when you you guys gave each other like the we're in a band smile right there? So, oh, whoa! Yeah, yeah. I think we uh, we didn't. Uh, yeah, we, we. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, we're good. That was um that was a, a an experimental rhythm that we're doing. It was uh, sort of um, what we learned from the island uh, research that we did on uh, the documentary is that those you know crazy polyrhythms that they do. So that's. Uh, that's what it's, we're just playing there. All right. So, so uh, what is? Uh, what do you guys eat when you're recording? What do you guys do? Do you guys cook a lot together? Oh man, mm, that's a that's a great oh, question. Is that the obligatory food question we have to well, ask. Are you familiar with um, Delaware's regional cuisine specialties? No. Um, well, right by the studio, we have this place called Capriati's. Okay. okay. Which is? Hoagies. Hoagies. Okay. Uh, okay. That's what we do. Oh, well, I mean, we're from Philadelphia, so we're... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you guys have okay. Wawa down there? Oh, uh, Wawa. There's a 24-hour Wawa within walking distance In of fact, the studio. I would almost say the honorary snack of the, the studio <laughs> is from Wawa, which is the hers cheddar horseradish potato chips. Oh yeah. I, mean, yep. so I don't know if you've had them but no, I've I've not had the uh, the privilege. They're I'm, good. I'm a huge fan yeah. of it. Is, is there actually any like Delaware specific cuisine like a uh, like the cheese coney from Cincinnati or things along the Well, there's scrapple, I think. Okay. That's that, yeah, that's like pretty like yeah. Yeah. Have you had scrapple? Any of you? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I was raised on scrapple. Oh, okay. Um so and I I recommend it to anyone that is skeptical. Oh, it's great. Yeah. But there's a lot of people, you tell them about Scrapple, and they just, they look... I mean, they, they also probably don't know half the shit they eat is, like, equally as weird yeah, exactly. and, and awful exactly. for them, so... I'm from Australia that just tried it for the first time. Oh, really? Yeah. What, did, what does an Australian think? Liam, he was, he was into it. Okay. Australians like Scrapple. Okay, yeah, you heard it here first. They also like Vegemite. Can I ask uh, what's your go-to order at Wawa? Oh, at Wawa. For the hoagie section? Okay. Actually, I think you can tell a lot by a man by the type of sandwich you order at Wawa. Okay. And, and, and a follow-up, do you just order the same sandwich over and over, or do you have... Wait, this is a great question for our drummer, who is uh, very absent. We can be his proxy. Okay, okay, Jeff is the... He, or, he you know, as men... The people don't know you Wawa you order on a screen which is which, which is, is old, new which is like five years no, yeah. five, you know yeah. Yeah. it used to be that way yeah it's, mm. yeah and I think it's brilliant because I don't like you know asking someone if I Humans, want a little bit of please? mayo or you, you, <laughs> yeah. you can be as picky as you want with the, the machine and um, our drummer Jeff was notorious for making these crazy Sandwiches. I don't know what he would use the ciabatta bread ciabatta bread <laughs> oh man <laughs> horseradish and Blue cheese, buffalo, or chipotle. I don't know. It he had a bunch of when you say words. it like that. But let's just let the record show the person who works at Wawa. One time, Jeff put his order into the screen, and when the guy delivered the sandwich, he said, "This is a masterpiece," <laughs> and gave him the sandwich. <laughs> it's true. And since recently, in the last what month, Wawa has actually changed their touchscreen computer yeah. computer system for, for the worse. For the worse. And oh. Jeff has a lot of complaints. Wait, he, what happened? They got rid of the ciabatta. They got you, rid of the ciabatta. Yeah, yeah. That was go-to. And, and 
they made you they limited it. your options in terms of yeah. you know the beauty of the Wawa ordering screen was that you could make any yeah, sort of imaginable yeah. Yeah. yeah and now um, I think they limit somehow like what you can toast it's yeah. all this weird so red Jeff tape Jeff was on Jeff. online forums complaining about <laughs> no there's no yeah. Yes. yeah you can go on the internet yeah. and go to the Wawa forum I'm so sad that and he actually filed he filed a complaint with the his local Wawa affiliate and he um, apparently the two of them had a good discussion and the Wawa employee agreed with him that the new ordering system wasn't as good as the previous one I mean corporate you know corporate rules though (sighs) you know but I mean hopefully you know Jeff will run for office and make some changes (laughs) Um, so uh, summer's here new record out so that usually means tour you guys hitting the road yeah we are doing some a little bit of road hitting we just finished up a little residency in New York and Philadelphia, and then um, we're also going to go out to Chicago in a couple uh, weeks, actually, to play Rib Fest. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Speaking so of that food. That should be exciting. Speaking of food. Mm. Can you use a rib as a whammy bar? <laughs> <laughs> we were thinking about that. Get some, like, Thurston Moore action, like, pour yeah. some rib juice on our guitars and see what happens. Um, amazing. Well, we want to have a little bit of time to get one more song in, but... You want to get people the nuts and bolts where to find you guys, where to buy the record, yeah. how to maybe hire you for documentary. Uh, <laughs> or on the finer tips of how to make a Wawa sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, any Wawa in Delaware, you hang around long enough, we'll be there. Look yeah. for the guy yeah. ordering the ciabatta bread, <laughs> and that's probably one of us. But uh, spintoband.com is probably your go-to source. And, yeah, and we know. have the record for sale there. It's probably the best place to order it. Cause yeah. If you really want to support the band, then, mm-hmm. then that's the place to go, but... If you really want to support Amazon or iTunes, <laughs> it's all. Or there if you too. have a gift card that your aunt gave you for Christmas time, you still haven't used it, you know. I have these uh, money to Sam Goody and strawberries. <laughs> oh, okay. I think. Coconuts? Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I think just so everybody knows, our album is guaranteed by the Wall to Wall Lifetime. <laughs> My favorite thing would be when I would when I beat the Wall and I'd see people just bring in uh, the cellophane from a CD and be like, "I have the sticker. Can I get the CD?" And they have to explain to them, "It's like, no, you cannot get a new CD without having the old CD return." It was. It's great. Um, I forgot about the Wall. Uh, so what happens if the CD scratches? Yeah. Don't worry about it. Uh, so oh, what yeah. is the name of the last song you're going to play? This is it's called, called uh, Leave, Leave Yourself, Yourself Alone. Alone. And who's singing? I will Joe. take this. Okay, so microphone. Uh, thank you for listening. I will be gone oh. next week. Hopefully, we'll be here next week. And if so, uh, Oberhofer will be making his second studio visit. Uh, so thanks for the snacky tune. Big shout out um, to Spinto Band and. Underground Eats. Underground Eats. And uh, happy Memorial Day. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Day. Good time. Thanks for having us. You should understand There's nothing to talk about You and I may just disagree You and I can't relate Do you mean What do you mean You could hardly get to your feet You won't leave yourself alone How could you turn this down when it's something you needed? You left off on the telephone that you had been meaning to die.
Listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10 year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.